So it's always the Feast of the Transfiguration that we have for the second Sunday of Lent, and yet I think the Transfiguration is a hard thing to kind of wrap our brains around because we really don't know what it meant. So the scriptures, depending on which of the Gospels that you used, uh, we just know that Peter, James, and John were up on the mountain with Jesus, and some kind of miraculous vision happened. It said Jesus' face shone like the sun. It was a, it was a mystical experience, huh? And then we had that great line that we hear the Father's voice coming from the cloud. This is my beloved Son. Listen to him. Well, I do think that these transfiguration readings are a great help for us during our Lenten journey as we are thinking about this theme about who is this man. And it brings together, I think, some things that we kind of experience one at a time, but we need to have them all together. And what I mean by that is this. I think the disciples kind of thought they had this figured out. They'd been around Jesus long enough that he'd been preaching and teaching to them, and they knew that Jesus was the Christ, which means what? The anointed, okay? So he was the Christ, okay? And so, not that they really knew what that meant, but they knew that it was a prophecy, that he was to fulfill that prophecy that he was going to be the Son of God, okay? But that was up here. And I think what happened on the mountain for the Feast of the Transfiguration is it went from here to here. Because now they had an affective, they had a feeling, they had an experience now that was really beyond words. We don't know that they ever talked about it again. It's not recorded in Scripture. So it's kind of like... They didn't know. They had a, a, a vision of the glory of God that was kind of beyond words. It was a feeling for them, okay? And of course, good old Peter, I love that line, Lord, it's good for us to be here. Let's, let's put up tents for you and Moses and Elijah. So what is the significant thing about them recognizes Moses and Elijah? Who knows? They'd been dead forever. It's not like saying, oh, there's Bill. Or there's Sam. No. So how they even recognize him is amazing. But Peter, not even saying, well, by golly, I think that's Moses. No, he said, let's camp out. Lord, it's good for us to be here. Let's camp out. And Jesus reminded them they got to go back down the mountain. There's three things going on here that I think we can apply to our lives. The first one is this. Our faith is something that guides us on our journey. And so everybody's life, whether you believe in God or not, starts with God and ends with God. Starts with God and ends with God. I remember during the 17 years that I was in high school working, you'd run into these knuckleheads and say, well, Father, I think I'm an atheist. And I said, you're not smart enough to be an atheist. <laughs> you haven't wrestled with what this means. You can't tell me that you've plumbed the depths and said, well, I've researched this and I've figured this out. No, no. And so part of it is, is we have to have the mind of a seeker, somebody who searches. Nobody's ever going to understand God completely. If you think that your faith's going to be better when you understand God completely, you're going to be sorely tested because you're never going to understand him perfectly. So we need to have, first of all, the mind of a person who searches. Okay, always open to, to new things. That's why we're, we're saying, who is this man? You know, we, we know stuff about Jesus, but do we know him? But it can't just remain up here. 
The people whose faith remain up here are the ones who are terribly self-righteous and judgmental. They're the ones who have it all figured out, and they are the grimmest, most unhappy people I've ever met. St. Augustine said, joy is the most infallible sign of the presence of God. These people are not signs of the infallible presence of God because it's all up here. So we need to move down now to this. We need to see the heart. And what did we hear on Ash Wednesday? The Prophet Joel said, return to me with your whole. Yeah, that's what he wants. He wants our desire. He wants that longing in our life, which I imagine married couples have. That longing, right, Larry? Of course. You are a longer, I can tell. It's that longing. It's the heart stuff, huh? But it can't just be that either. So for a while, there was a big wave of making retreats, whether they were CUWs or, or Renew or any kind of programs. Those were all great programs, but the idea of them was, was to move people ahead in their faith so that they could take leadership in their churches. But people just like to stay in the warm, fuzzy stage. Well, it's kind of like infatuation. You've got to move out of that. You can't just stay in that warm, fuzzy stage. So what's the third one? If we got the mind and the heart, what do you think the third stage is? You gotta live it. It has to go into our actions. And so our faith is that journey that helps us between the beginning of our life and the end of our life, like that poem, The Dash. It's what happens in between our birth and our death date. And our faith accompanies us on that journey and the directions come to us from the Word of God. And so that's why we listen to the scriptures. We have four scripture readings a weekend. That helps us to know the direction in our life, huh? So we need to be open to that. We need to have a mindset of wanting to know more about God. But it can't just be in our head. It needs to be in our heart. That there needs to be a longing there. We want to, that's why we gather together as a church because we're not just a head. We need to gather together with other people. That's why we celebrate milestones in people's lives. That's the human part of us. But we don't just stay there either then. It's something that you and I need to live and we need to put into our practice. Um, when I was at UNI, it was kind of interesting on Ash Wednesday, we'd have a thousand people come through to the services. I would hear faculty members in the, in the vestibule saying, well, Bill, I didn't know you were Catholic, you know, taught with them for 40 years and never knew that they had any faith at all. It needs to be something that we practice, something that we live. The more we get to know Jesus, the more he transforms us. The more we get to know Jesus, the more he transfigures us. The more we get to know Jesus, we are a reflection of that light. And that reflection is what gathers other people together. That's what helps them to understand the witness of how you and I call to live our lives. So as we continue on this Lenten journey, we realize that this isn't just something for 40 days. It's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle of being open, searching the word in our life, of have that affect of that relationship with Jesus that happens, and then we need to live it in our lives by the way that we do that in our day-to-day -day experience. We pray that Jesus continues to transform us, to transfigure us, so that we will have those experiences, so that we too will reflect that light of Christ, not only in our lives, but to the lives of others as well.